You are listening to episode 25, Preventing Burnout by Learning About Money with a Money Fit MD, Dr. Latifat Akintade. She's doing fantastic things to help empower physicians to prevent burnout by learning about money so we can practice medicine on our terms. And if you're graduating chief resident or starting a new job, join me 18 May at 6 p.m. to learn more about tips starting that new job. Find more information at bosssurgery.com. Welcome, surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we need to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Welcome back. Oh, what a special guest I have today. One of my favorite people in the entire world. This is Dr. Latifa Ekintade. She is the Money Fit MD, and she is here to take a break from, you know, like her almost full-time GI practice and the Today Show and guest coaching on premier coaching programs and her own coaching programs to talk to us about money and burnout and her financial liberation plan. I'm so excited to hear all that you have to offer. All right. So Dr. Latifa, tell me a little bit about yourself. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. For those that are listening, you are listening to one of my favorite people. And it's just such a joy to be a part of her world and see all the amazing things she's doing for surgeons. I'm a GI doc, so I'm a little bit biased. I want my surgeons to be happy because when y'all are cranky, it affects my life. (laughs) So (laughs) it may be a little bit biased in terms of making sure y'all are happy. And also, I mean, I work with so many badass, amazing surgeons. And I know that when they're less burnt out, when they get enough rest, it is so, so helpful for them and for their patients. So I have so many reasons to be here. And also, I just want every physician to have money. And the fact that I get to say that and share that on this podcast is a huge privilege. But to tell you more about me, I'm a GI doc. I'm a mama of three ladies. I live in California. And like uh, Amy said earlier, I am also the creator of the Money Feed MD platform where I help women physicians coach their brain, learn money so that we can burn out less and truly, truly live life on our own terms, which that's going to look different for different people. But the end result of all that is we get to enjoy medicine more and do even more good in the world without sacrificing our well-being. You know, I think that's so fascinating that you bring that up too, because it's, you know, we go through all this training and we go to get this high power job and we get the money. And interestingly enough, I think sometimes money holds us back. And so we work so hard for this thing that we give this power to hold us back. And, you know, I, we were just talking about this before we started recording that, you know, money certainly contributes to burnout. And, you know, it's so interesting because it's just paper, it's just numbers on a screen, yet we make it mean so much stuff. The amount of limiting beliefs that we have about money are just astronomical. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how you approach um, money for just in general. Absolutely. Um, So I want to talk about the point you mentioned, which is completely true that money can hold us back. And I don't think it's just money, because like you said, it's paper with numbers on it, right? It's the fear 
of what happens when that paper isn't coming in, right? So if the fear of, if I run out of money, what's going to happen? If my income isn't coming, what's going to happen? If I'm broke, what's going to happen, right? Because there are all those ways that we think about how we are perceived by ourselves, because a lot of times value is associated with money, which is actually not right or true or helpful. Um, but we live in a world where that has been the case. So in order for us to really have the kind of money that we all want, we're going to have to dissociate and separate our value from money because our there's no amount of money that we can be paid that's going to demonstrate our value, in my opinion, right? What we earn or what we get in terms of money is just a thank you for the work, amazing work that we do, but it's not a measure of the value of ourselves as humans. So that's something that I absolutely want to make sure everybody separates out. But the way that I approach money is a little different. And the reason why it's different is because it had to be different for me for it to work for me, right? I, uh, just to share a little bit more about my story, I didn't know anything about money at all until six years ago, believe it or not. Six years ago, I was hecka broke, living paycheck to paycheck. I knew nothing. I had student loans. And the only thing that I did to my loans when I was in residency and fellowship was anything that would get it the heck out of my face. <laughs> so, you know, defer, forbear. I don't even care what the name is or the definition. Just get it out of my face because I don't want to see it. Right. Be and the reason why it wasn't because I didn't want to see it, but I was overworking as a resident and as a fellow, I had family responsibilities. My younger sister was living with me when I was in residency in New York City. That place ain't cheap, right? And you can't leave too far from the hospital as a resident. And then as a fellow, by the time I was in fellowship, I had two kids already. And for us, having you just don't have the time. So it wasn't like I didn't care about my money, but I didn't create the time to do it. And I also didn't feel like I had enough to work with. That was the key, right? I didn't have enough to work with. No one taught me about money in medical school or residency or fellowship. And every time I tried to learn it, it was always kind of met with this, oh, you should know about that already. How come you don't know that? And part of it is, you know, they're shaming. I shame myself, right? But people also shame you because they're like, oh, you don't know what a 401k is. And it's like, well, I didn't get to that class. So how am I supposed to know, <laughs> right? But I already had my own baggage. So that was not something that I could confidently argue about why are you shaming me? So I realized that if I wanted to practice medicine the way that I wanted to, if I wanted to not burn out, because the reason, I mean, the main thing, because everyone has to have a why, there has to be like a tipping point. And for me, it was my fear of becoming a burned out, overworked, unavailable mother. That was it for me. That was, that was it for me. And so I had to start and say, how much do I actually owe? How much do I actually have? Can you tell me again, what is a 401k? How do we budget? But I don't like to budget. <laughs> how do I now create a spending plan that has nothing to do with math? Because I don't love math and I still don't love math. So I had to create a new different way of helping myself understand it. And that is where all this started. So it's really simplifying the language of personal finance. You know, simple. Listen, I can do hard stuff, but if I can do it simply, why the heck not? So it's really simplifying the language of personal finance. But even deeper than that is really creating the foundation 
of the main reason why we think we're not good with money, right? It's how our thoughts about money, what we have learned or not learned, what we were taught or not taught, and what we have absorbed from our society, like doctors are too busy to talk about money. Money is bad. If you talk about money, if you want money, you may be a greedy person, right? So, so much baggage that's beneath the surface that has to address before that tree, which is the wealth tree, can truly grow. That's fantastic. Yes, I, it's so interesting. Like I uh, had to resolve my own thoughts about money too. And we were just talking again before we recorded. You know, the what allowed me to go from employed job to private practice is realizing, you know, really um, how much I could get by with, you know, and realizing that I had enough that I looked, I was like, I could like legitimately probably stop working for about a year and pay our bills and, you know, eat and no one would go hungry and all too. And once I released myself from the baggage of the, the thought of money, I was able to make some big choices, which, you know, paid off big time. And, you know, we talked about that. That was my, the first um, way that money set me free. And the second was when I started hiring people and realizing, you know, just like how much other people are living off of. And it's like, if they're fine and they look fine and everything's going fine. And like, I I'm actually probably doing pretty well, which let me kind of take a little bit of a break. But then I also said, well, they're not living off very much. And so then when I hired people, I was like, well, I'm going to pay them more because I can't and why not? Uh, and even just, you know, recently thinking like, what would I do if uh, money wasn't an object? Well, I would give more money to people that I work with. And so then I just, I gave them a bonus because I could, and money allowed me to branch on my own and have a, a business where I could treat other people well. And as a result of that, they paid me back by working really hard and giving me my time back. And so it's been such a fascinating thing because I, I think that's the one thing that we lose as employed physicians or feeling like we don't have control is that we can't do those things that are so gratifying, both in making us feel better about supporting other people, but giving them the opportunity to support us too. And so that's been a really kind of a fascinating journey with me about how it, it went from feeling like a trap to setting me free which allows me to help other people be set free too, which is, I don't know that. So I have a, a, an interesting relationship with it. I should say. I think that's such a gift and it's a gift that every physician deserves to be honest with you. And -hmm. the reason why, I mean, there's many obvious reasons, but what you said also emphasizes that when physicians have money, they do good things with it, right? We become vessels that actually money flows through because Mm -hmm. if you think about how, and it's, it's this, it's like a cycle of life. I'm a huge fan of Lion King. If you don't like Lion King, I think we, you know, you probably have problems. I'm just joking. <laughs> I may have told that to one of my patients, by the way. I said, What? You don't like Lion King? Now I don't trust your judgment on anything in life. <laughs> but the thing is, money flows through us. And sometimes when we think we don't have money, we end up hoarding it right? Mm -hmm. And when we hoard it, we don't let it be released. And when it doesn't get released, it doesn't come back to us even bigger and better. So you realize and thinking, I do have money, you're able to pay your people more, and they're able to serve at a higher capacity. Guess what's going to happen? They're going to make you a whole lot more money. And you get to do it again, and again, and again. And that is the beauty of having a good relationship with money, what you don't hoard it's like constipation versus diarrhea you're not having one of those extremes you're letting it just flow i mean you're all surgeons i know you 
talk about this stuff, right? Exactly. So oh, you can speak our language. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yes, that's my people, right? So that's the thing, like it has to flow through us, right? So it's really important to not hoard it, but also to not have diarrhea with it where you're not investing it. You're not being the boss of your money because you can't, you do have the power to be, you know, money is powerful. You are powerful. Money needs help. It's like, you know, suturing. You are the boss in the OR. Everybody has their role, but you're still the CEO of that room in terms of what happens versus what doesn't happen. Right. And, you know, that translates to my the coaching program too, because, you know, I was like, well, this is super fun to like give things, you know, that's, that's where like money makes you more of who you are. And so I was like, I could be more generous. And so like with my, um, we're wrapping up my three months, um, the difficult partner. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. And then I was like, I had the webinar for it's complicated. I was like, I'm going to buy, you know, Dr. Una's books. I got a whole stack of them. I'm going to start giving those away. So now I support my coaching people and I support Dr. Una who I adore. And and I was like, this is like super fun. We're all Oprah. You're like, I'm Oprah. Now I see why Oprah does what she does, right? Exactly. I channeled my inner Oprah. That was totally it. One thing I wanted to make mention of when you were talking about going from employed to having your own practice, I want people to understand that even if you're employed, there is still a mindset there, whether you feel stuck versus whether you feel free within that employed setting. And this is part of why money is, I mean, I work as an employed physician. There are rules that I do follow in the hospital because it's not my business and I'm choosing to be there. I don't have to be there. I have options, right? But when you have that financial liberation, when you have that ability and good relationship with money, and when you understand what your numbers actually say versus what your brain is telling you, like you don't have money you're broke you're going to be broke forever like when you actually go down to the facts and have the tools that you need even when you're an employed physician you burn out less Mm -hmm. and that's really important for people to also take home yeah you know and I think that's so interesting because we're talking about this as well as like the practice that you choose it doesn't really matter it has to fit your environment it has to fit your personality and your life um private practice for me was not actually my initial aim um but I'm so glad that I I chose that path but it was right in the environment that I was at I could be in a different place and be just as happy as an employed uh physician and all too a lot of it just really depends on your particular situation so I I don't think that everyone should be this or everyone should be that um I think it's really realizing where your control is and where your success is and and what works for you. And the one thing that I think um, that people think is employed uh, or surgeons or just physicians in general is that they don't have control. And that's what I work through a lot with the coaching aspect too, is that just to let people know just how much control they have over their environment and that you're never stuck. And so there's, there's so much that we tell us ourselves limiting. And it's not, it's more than just money. It's just feeling like we don't have any influence. And I have to remind people all the time. I was like, you made it to medical school. You made it through residency. You're practicing. You save lives all the time. It's like, you know, you have more in you than you think. And it's just, I think a lot of it because we're surrounded by people who are also excelling, but we forget just how remarkable we really are. Pretty remarkable. If I may say so myself, it's and that's, you know, we were talking before we pressed um, record earlier is part of what I love with the money coaching and helping physicians with money, specifically, even more specifically women physicians, is the tools that you need to succeed at money is what we already have as physicians. Right. Exactly. Right? 
it's like you have a flashlight in your hands already. You're already here. And what you just need to do is direct it to this other area because what you've shown us is that when you focus on anything, you succeed at it. Mm-hmm. That's what we already know that about every single person that's listening to this, including you and I. I mean, three years ago, my biggest sign on my forehead is I'm a one trick pony. <laughs> Nobody talked to me about nothing. Like that was my thing, right? But then I had to take those tools that has helped me succeed. I mean, there are some tools that we've been taught in medicine that doesn't help us succeed outside of medicine, which is okay. It doesn't mean it's bad. But the tools that helped me succeed, like I am resourceful. All surgeons are resourceful. If you don't think surgeons are resourceful, wait until something happens and suddenly a Foley catheter turns into a chest tube or whatever the hell you guys create. I have no idea. But surgeons are some of like the most resourceful people ever. Like I like my tools in the GI. I'm like, this is what it's made for. This is what I use it for. And then I have conversations with surgeons and I'm like, yeah, I wish it was bigger diamond. I'm like, well, why don't we go try this other thing that's for like the other part of the body? I'm like, it's not meant for the GI. Like y'all are successfully resourceful brain. You can learn, you can go from knowing nothing about something to saving lives every single darn day, right? Every time you see something hard, you don't run away from me. You say, okay, this is hard, but you know you're a badass. So you say, how can I, because I know who I am, how can I do, think, or act, or who do I need to call on in order to take care of this hard thing in front of me on my table. That's what y'all do. Like, that's your baseline. So now we're going to take that and we're going to shunt it into money. And some of you guys are like, Latifa, now you're taking it to fight. No, I'm not. <laughs> Don't run away, right? That's the part of our brain that it's like the same way as first-year med students. Imagine if someone took you to the OR as a first-year med student and handed you the knife, you'd go, oh crap, I can't do this. But we know that you can go from being a med student to being a badass surgeon. And the only reason why you could do that was because you didn't run away or quit. You told yourself, I know I can learn this. And if I sit with it, I can figure it out. This may be a new language, but the more I'm in there, I was made for this. So when you take that and put it into your finances, you're like, this looks like Spanish. Or if you speak Spanish, then pretend that it's Yoruba, which is my primary language. You probably don't understand right now. But just, you know, think about it that way and go, this is a new language. If I run away, my brain definitely is going to find different reasons and different ways to make me run. It's going to say, I'm bad with money. It's going to say, remember that last time you got paid and you don't even know what you did with a paycheck. Remember, you don't have time. You're a surgeon. You don't have time for this nonsense. Just get an expert and let them do their expert stuff. Like, just delegate 100% to them. Let's, let's go. You know, you need sleep, right? Right? And that's our brain, brain in. That's what our brain does. But I promise you, if you're like, thanks, brain, I'm going to hang out here for a minute because based on my past, I stayed in, I learned it, and I excelled at it. The fact that I'm a successful badass surgeon doesn't mean that I can diagnose, I don't know, in cancer, because maybe that's not my area of specialty. But I know that 
if I can focus and learn something, I can become excellent at it. So sit in that space with your money and just look and say, what am I even earning? Where is my money going? And I already know that my brain is going to try and get me out of that room to run away. But now that we've said money is power, money liberates, how can I learn those tools in a degree and to an extent that really fools my freedom? I don't have to become a financial advisor. I don't have to be like an you know, investment banker, but how can I use my money as a tool for freedom? What do I need to learn about it? I need to learn how to earn it, how to spend it, where it's been invested in a way that's simple, and how can I create more? And that, just walking yourself through that brain drama and brain step will help you sit in the room a little longer. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I know um, you had said something earlier uh, about that we don't have to know everything all at once too. And I think that's where a lot of us go wrong is you sit down and you start reading and then you're like, oh, there's way too much. And, you know, we think that we have to do all the things and you really can just do one thing. And then tomorrow you can do a second thing. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny. There's a physician in my group. She's a, she's a, she's a surgeon who, um, said I so I run a money I don't know if you I run a money coaching program for women physicians and um she's been in the community now for about two months and I was speaking with her just last week and she said I don't know who I am like who is this woman I'm looking at investments I am trying to buy an investment property my work hours hasn't decreased I'm negotiating for a higher pay at work and she's like who am I this is crazy in a good way right and Three months ago, she wasn't that way. But the thing is, it, she didn't get there in one day. It just started by starting where she was, by believing that it's possible that she could learn, by looking at where her money is going, by saying, do I like it or do I not like it, by making sure she has some savings. And if she doesn't have the amount she wants, then she figures out how am I going to take little steps towards that. And now she's, it's been only two months. And that's what I mean. This is nothing new. We already have the tools in, which is our brain, it's already been sharpened by our medical training. And now we just need to learn some simple tools and the highest yield financial education material. We don't need to learn everything about everything, just a high yield and start taking action. And surgeons are badass, are taking actions. They hate waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I, cannot, take uh, I cannot disagree. <laughs> All right, I, I can't disagree. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Right. You guys take and that's the thing. You guys take actions. I cannot think of anybody more equipped. All you need is to have the right tools and you will take actions. And then I have to like tell you to slow down, relax, rest, <laughs> sleep, because I don't need you burning out with money either. Right. But surgeons should all have money, period, because you're already equipped and modeled to be that way. Yeah, you know, I can't disagree with your assessment on that one either. So, <laughs> and the lie detector says you're right with you. <laughs> Full core press all the time. That's totally right. Me. Um, all right. No, so tell us a little bit about this financial liberation plan. I thought it was so fascinating. I think this just such a, a genius way to look at aspects um, of this. So, so tell us all about it. Absolutely. This is something that I came up with. And the reason why I, again, most things in life, we solve problems that we wish we already had the solution to. So this is what I wish I had six years ago, honestly, when I started. And the reason why I came up with this idea is because we need to find a way to combat burnout in medicine. 
we need a way to encourage physicians to start seeing our own power and take it back from the places that we've had it, right? And when we talk about money in general, people may have heard about financial independence, financial freedom, which are all valid things that I want every physician to achieve. However, sometimes this long-term thing that we're trying to accomplish can actually contribute to our burnout because we think that if we don't earn what we're earning right now, if we don't stay where we are right now, we're not going to achieve those things. And we've been told that those things are the things that we need, right? But it's not helping us. It's burning us out. Oh, I saw this Facebook post that just like blew my mind. This person's like, all I need for financial independence is to stay at this miserable job for another six years because I have to have, and I was like, who made that rule? That's a terrible rule. Why are you staying at a crappy job? Just drop it. Like this is a made up number. Stop right now. <laughs> yes. Tag me next time so I can join, you know, because we just, we need people to just be, we need people to be free. And mm-hmm. when you're free, when you're healthy, when you're practicing medicine, in a way that is in line with your value. And that may mean doing a hundred hours, right? Whatever it is, but you're not doing it because you don't have a choice. You're doing it because this is how you want to give in this season of your life. That is the point of this. And so I asked myself, how can we create, how can we use money as a really to liberate physicians. So it's what I call the financial liberation plan. And I'm actually, I don't know when this is Aaron, but I'm thinking about doing a five day workshop to teach physicians this where I take each component an hour a day and go like a deep dive so that people can actually come up with their own financial liberation plan in that week, which I'm excited about, right? So it's a five step thing. Number one is really knowing your why. Why do you, want to be here? Why do you want to practice medicine? Why are you choosing this life? What kind of life, like just dream a little bit, what will an ideal life look like practicing medicine? Again, for some people, it's going to be not at all. For some people, it's going to be working three days. For some people, it's five days. For some people, it's like working 80 hours a week. But the key is you get to define what that looks like for you. And part of that first step is also taking power back. And this important because as physicians, we've given power away. And we don't always know it, but a lot of times we've given power away to the hospital system. We've given power away to our educational system. The thoughts that we've been told that money is bad, you should not negotiate. When you ask for compensation, you're greedy. Those are all thoughts that actually cause us to give our power away. I saw a post recently in a group where someone responded to a recruiter who had posted a job and they said, oh, how much is the compensation? The recruiter replied back and said, if money is your motivation, this is not the right practice for you. What the hell? It's your life. It's your time, right? But I would imagine that there are people that would believe that nonsense, right? And that is part of how we give in our power away. So the hospital system, the educational system, the systems of patriarchy, those are, that's another huge one, right? Because we've been taught that money should look like a tall white guy in a suit and tie, right? That women cannot handle money. We've been told that women are bad investors, which is not true based on data. 
we're less likely to invest. But what we do, we actually do a better job, right? So those systems, the systems of racism, right, that talks about Blacks and minorities not having the tools that they need, being having their their homes valued lower than other people. So there's so many systems in place that takes our power, that we've given our power to. And then even things like you and I, ourselves from the past, right? If we're resisting evolution, we're giving our power away to the past. If we're resisting changing our goals, we're like, well, when I was in medical school, I said I was going to be at the hospital 100 hours a week. Like when we let our past hold us, we're giving our power away to that. And then also our own brains is part of that. The limiting beliefs we have, the things we think about ourselves. I am bad with money. I can never succeed. No one in my family has ever owned a business. I'm a surgeon or a physician, not an entrepreneur. Like those are all things that we've given our power away to. So it's not always external to us. Sometimes it's also internal to us, our own brain, our own past, our own past trauma that sometimes we need to work through, right? So that's number one. So it's pretty deep. But the key is we have to be ready to take that power away. I mean, take that power back, excuse me. And then number two is identifying your own unfair advantage. And I love this one because it's really easy for us to think we're victims. We're not good. You know, it has to be covered by CME. Otherwise, we're not going to do it, right? A lot of times we've given our own power away in so many different ways. And also when we're, trying to grow our finances, we're looking for this new version of ourselves, right? But why don't we work with what we have? We're resourceful, right? So I just bragged to you about how how surgeons are meant to have money just by built, by who they are. So that by itself is already your unfair advantage. Are you, aka my mother used to call me stubborn when I was growing up. Now I call it like persistent. I redefined it. Sounds good right? to me. That's an unfair advantage because I know that whatever I focus on, if I persist, I may need to remodel, change, course correct, but I know that I will achieve what I want. For a lot of us physicians, we are resourceful, right? We can create something out of nothing. We know how to ask for help. We order tests. We order scans. We call our colleagues. We ask for help, Right? People in the world don't do that stuff. That's an unfair advantage that we have in who we are, right? But it is our character. It is who we are. And we need to recognize that because that one advantage is why you're going to succeed. And I just want you to take that flashlight and turn it into your finances. Don't try to be like anybody else. If I'm being resourceful right now, how would I make my money better? Maybe I would hire a coach. Maybe I would, you know, find a great advisor that I understand so I can, but I also have to learn so I can complement those two things together. So I'm not trusting someone blindly, right? I still need to be educated myself. So that's number two, find your unfair advantage. And then number three is looking at the numbers. That part is important and it may seem scary, but I'm going to simplify it for you guys. So this one is uh, looking at what I call the minimum viable expense. I actually have a podcast on this. Um, I host Money Fit MD. I don't remember what podcast number it is, but I defined, I call this your minimum viable expense. And what that is, is if the world goes to shit, (laughs) if crap comes falling down, if you lost your job, 
how much would you need to survive? And I know that your brain is like, well, right now, maybe I make 20 grand a month. So I'm going to have to find a way to find a, another source of 20 grand a month. No, that's not what you would spend when push comes to shove, right? So for most people, it's the essential stuff, the core, the mortgage slash rent, the utilities, the transportation, maybe childcare, right? The essential stuff. And the goal is not to live in that space. The goal is to be to be provided for and to have the resources to take care of you. Because most times when people are worried about losing their jobs or their sources of income, it's because they think they're a paycheck away from being homeless. So how much would you need to be fine in that month? And whatever that number is, you can take that and multiply that by three to six months. That is like an emergency fund. So how much will that be? And then you can sort of relax a little bit and say, all right, so let's really look at how much I'm spending total, not just the core, but also the things that I want to do, like send my kids to jail, you know, to childcare so they don't pull my hair out, like whatever it is, right? Have that nice cup of coffee and relax, like separate those two things out so that the key is if push comes to shove, your core has to be taken care of and creating an emergency fund from that. Okay, that's number three. And then number four is diversifying your sources of income. This part is really important. And I know that as physicians, we think, oh, but we don't, we cannot, we don't have time. That by itself is a limiting belief because that means you're assuming that in order to have a source of income, you have to actively give time to you know, time to money in a one-to-one -one ratio, which is not true. There are physicians that are doing crazy stuff in the world. And diversifying your sources of income helps you with money, but also helps decrease your burnout because it gives your brain other fun things to do. So I'll give you some examples of what I do. I, like, you know, I have the money program that I run, which, you know, incredible value that I give people and they pay me in exchange for that, which I, my goal is always to give people more value than they're ever going to pay me for. So it's a great deal. Um, I invest in real estate, active real estate, and which is within California and outside of California. We do long-term and short-term rental. Um, I'm also in a two-earner income family. So that's a source of income for us is work that he does. And, you know, of course, we have things in the stocks, stock market as well. We don't need that money right now. So we don't invest to take money out. We invest to reinvest, if that makes sense. But the point is, I didn't start all that in one day. I got there, right? So we have to work through one, two, three, four, diversifying. And people do all kinds of stuff, right? People podcast and earn from their podcast. People write. People do e-commerce. People create products. I found out recently that the, this company, Lumi, it's a deodorant company. It's owned by a physician. They launched in 2016, and they're now a nine-figure company. Wow. Wow. Physicians, <laughs> badass. We all are. You may not believe it, but trust me, you are, right? So those are the crazy things we do. And then the number five point is empowering ourselves, finding our communities and investing in ourselves. That is so important. I cannot tell you how many physicians would say things like, oh, CME doesn't cover that. I can't pay for it. That is too expensive. I can't, right? If we cannot invest in ourselves, and honestly, one of the most valuable things I spend money on is my brain through coaching. I'm a money coach. I'm not about to waste money. And I spend a lot of money on my brain because it is the biggest asset that I have. When I'm well, my kids are well, my relationship is better, 
my patients are better, I am better, my family, my siblings have a better version of me, it is worth its weight in gold. And it also makes me a whole lot more money because when I'm well, I can make money clinically and also outside of clinic. So that part is really important. So those are the five steps that I have for how we can financially liberate ourselves. Oh, I 100% agree with you. And I knew like the the, the first four and it's only the, the fifth one that has been over the last two years. And that's actually when my life started transforming, you know, because I think, you know, it, it was almost, it's so interesting how you had the five, because I think that was a stepwise progress. Um, and so four, I started doing the diversifying thing with the real estate and such too. But the fifth one of like investing yourself, it's so funny because that was like the first thing I thought, well, that's just, I don't need that. That's just extra. That's just you know, and that's actually probably the most important thing because that's when life started to change was when I started to recognize all the limiting beliefs that I have about I mean, literally everything, you know, like how I get along with other people and, you know, getting money and then business and interacting with patients and the complications and all those things, you know, was really transformed by that part, which I think is the most undervalued thing that we've all had so far, um, which is fascinating. And I think, again, I want us to think about the things we've done because this is not novel, right? Basketball players, they all have coaches. Um, but even when we think about our medical degree, we invested in it. That's how we became who we are right now. So a lot of times we think that we don't need to invest in ourselves, but we already know we have to invest in ourselves because we've done it, right? And that was why we became equipped with the knowledge we have in our brain to help our patients. And it's just doing the same thing again and doing it in a way that's in line with what we're working on and where we're trying to evolve into. And I agree, maybe five years ago, I would have said, ooh, that's a little weird. But I mean, when you know, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things, right? And that is a part of my budgeting that's a part of my my spending plan that is only going to get bigger and the beauty of it is this the amount that I invest in myself has increased progressively and my net worth continues to increase progressively and I don't think that's an accident and the amount that I'm investing in myself is not more because I have a higher net worth my net worth, my wealth ability, my total wealth in life, which includes money, relationship, time, ownership, my voice, the ability to own my voice, all of that has increased as I've invested more money in myself. Because there are so many people in the world that have way more money than I do that don't have the kind of wealth, total wealth that I think every single one of us deserve. Um, and also they don't invest in themselves necessarily, but I love it this way. It's more grounded. It's more well, less burnout. And I get to give more of myself to everything, including myself. Yeah. And I completely, I think this is also very similar to money and the fact that the more we invest in ourselves, the more we end up other people benefiting from it um, as well. And it's so interesting. I mean, we're definitely in a coaching revolution. There's no question about it in the physician world here too. And I think it's just, we're just an industry that has lagged behind others when it comes to appreciating the coaching. And there's, of course, I think just like physicians, different specialties of coach, 
Whereas mine, and you know, we were talking about my setup, which is working on the difficult partner and complications and, you know, everything's a negotiation and stop hitting clinic. Like that's the, my specialty. Now I want to hear about your specialty. So tell me a little bit about what you offer and what your programs look like and how people can find you and all the things. Absolutely. The easiest way to find me, if you just want me in your ears so I can speak even louder and clearer to you, is my podcast, which is The Money Fit MD Podcast. It is where I literally take a camera or whatever, press record and download my brain. And my goal is to help people go from wherever they are to where they want to be when it comes to money. And I share a lot of free content on my podcast. Um, and I also run a community of for women physicians. It's a paid only membership only community and the reason why is I want that space to always be safe for women physicians because we are different in a good way we have spaces that money has been talked about but we need spaces where you can voice your concerns about yourself I suck I'm horrible I'm great and you have women that are just like you that are working on different parts of their journey to create wealth. And that is what it's about. So it's a lifetime membership program, which means you pay one time and you're in the program for as long as the program exists, which is a crazy deal. What we also teach in there is one of my favorite things, which is the missing money curriculum in medicine. So I pretty much walk you through this core money curriculum that fits in the stuff that I wish we had all learned when we're in med school or residency or fellowship about money. It's not fluff. I don't have time for fluff. I'm a busy mom and you guys are a busy surgeon. So I teach what I call the 20% that you need to achieve 80% of results when it comes to the money content. So it's the stuff that I've used in my life and I've been able to build my net worth to multiple six figure, seven figure, excuse me, in a reasonable amount of time. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen for every single person, but whatever you want, you get to create that. And in that lifetime community, we support you through all that. That sounds fantastic. So, and they would find that on your website. Is that correct? Yes. They can check my website on moneyfitmd.com. The specific link is moneyfitmd.com forward slash M as in Mary, Sam Burrito. So MSB. It's a money coaching school for badass women physicians. That's what I call I it. love it. Of course, the, the um, links will be in the show notes. And so people can readily find you. We're, we'll close with one thing. Now, I know you're a GI doctor. So as a, and sorry to put you on the spot because we didn't talk about this beforehand. What do surgeons need to know from gastroenterologists? What are the things that you wish a surgeon knew? What I wish surgeons knew about us is that we truly, really, I mean, we're all on the same page. We're all, it's not one person on one side and the other person on the other side with the patient in between. We're both on the same page. We're both on the same side trying to help patients. And when we get consulted, I hope you have access to great GI docs wherever you work. Our goal is to combine our brains together to find how to help patients. And I think we could all do better in trusting that we're on the same page. I have the pleasure of, I truly, truly have the pleasure of working with amazing surgeons where I work at. We have a lot of female surgeons there, which is, I get super excited. So, so badass, so badass. And I love that I can pick up the phone and talk to my surgeons. It's a huge deal. In fact, I had a patient with um, gastroparesis. I'm not going to say the timeline. Sometime in the in the in this lifetime in the world, um, that wasn't a classic surgical candidate. And because I picked up the phone and talked to my surgeon, and my surgeon heard me 
talked about it. I said, this is not a typical case, but I trusted my judgment, took the patient to the OR, patient is doing much better because we trusted each other, right? And I picked up the phone and talked to them like humans. So we are on the same side and our brains together is really what we need to put together to help patients with their care. Well, I think that's a fantastic way to win. And because of course we are are all on the same side. And so I'm so glad that you came onto the show. Such valuable advice. You're really going to change people's lives here. And so I really appreciate you honoring us with your presence. Thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure. I love what you do. Yes, we need surgeons. I'm a little bit biased. I want surgeons to be in the game 40 years from now. And what you're doing is going to do that. So thank you for saying yes. And I hope your audience checks out your program, learn from you, because I've had the pleasure of hearing you in spaces and you are a true asset for them to have. So, oh, you're so sweet. All right. Until next time. If you're a graduating chief resident or starting a new job, you're going to want to join me on Wednesday, the 18th of May at 6 p.m. Central to hear about tips on starting a new job. Head to bosssurgery.com for more details.